TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy, and Lynn Dixon hanging on for about 15 more minutes. What do you say, ladies? Right to the phones? Let's do it. All right. We'll start off with Dave on a cell. Dave's been patiently waiting. Dave, good morning. Well, if I had patience, I'd be a doctor, but... Huh. Oh, huh. rim shot. Uh, it seems like Grand Island and Clarence are two up-and-coming communities in our in our county right now, and mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody in government has ever addressed uh, make having them create their own police departments, because I know in the town I live in, at least, our budget is like 35%, the police department is 35% of our budget. And these are up-and-coming high-end communities, I should say. These are high-end communities where they're no longer farm communities or nothing like that. People are constantly building and moving there. I, lo- I follow the real estates. So so all the other communities, they're protected by the sheriffs and the state police department. Why aren't they being, I'll say, forced to create their own police departments? And the other question was, well, how do you feel about uh, reassessments? Okay, so I'll take the second question first, um, reassessments. I know in the city of Buffalo what's happening is um, the reassessments, they, they went so long without doing the reassessments that now that they're doing them, those who struggle the most are going to be most impacted by these reassessments, and it's going to be very difficult for some of them to even stay in their homes unless something is done. Um, so that's you know that's a problem when you they've waited so long that it was over a decade I think since the last reassessments were done. Um, yes, I'm sorry, Dave. What? It's a county that haven't done assessment in 20, 30 years, and there's nothing being done about it. There's no law basically that says they they need to be done. Well, again, I think you know I I think what you're seeing. Um, and I, and I, I'm just looking at like the different communities, like in the in the city of Buffalo, um, Dave, with the reassessments right now. Um, you're right. When you wait, when you wait a long period of time, you this is what happens with that is that you you then put people who are most at risk and who want to stay in their homes and who are most challenged to to do that um, are are going to be in the most difficult position to stay in those homes unless you take some sort of action. Now, if it's done gradually over the years, it's much less of a burden on them. And, you know, as for the police departments, um, the communities, so I live in the village of Hamburg. The village of Hamburg has a police department. The town of Hamburg has a police department, et cetera. Um, there, there have been times in some communities, Depew, I think, is the same thing as whether you dissolve the village, and the voters had an opportunity to make that decision, and the decision was uh, anytime those things have come up for a vote is to, is to keep 
um, their their villages and their police departments, et cetera. Do we can we do consolidation? You know, do we should we always be looking at consolidation in order to save uh, money? And you know, it, it's certainly taxpayers have to make that decision too, based on where they choose to live. But um, I will say, with respect to a county budget. Uh, and the debate is always like, well, you know, you spend so much in the city and not in the suburbs. You spend so much in the suburbs, not in the city. And I think at the end, it, it sort of evens out because what some communities are not looking for, others are. And so, you know, the money is, I mean, like, for example, the city of Buffalo, they have no st- they have no county roads in the city of Buffalo. There are no county roads. But there are other county dollars that are spent there. Um, in some of the suburbs and the more rural communities, uh, they have county roads, but they don't have a lot of the other services that we get in the city. So it balances out. And and really, when it comes to county government, you are addressing, you know, all the towns, uh, you're, you're addressing the needs from a county perspective with all the towns, villages, and cities, the three cities, you know, Lackawanna, the city of Tonawanna, and the city of Buffalo. So um, those, but, but, take 35% of their budget, and they would have to lose something else or raise taxes. Who in their right mind would vote for a police department then? Well, uh, you know, I, I will say that I think some of those communities, though, if they're looking for a more active police department, as they grow, um, they may want those police departments. Because right now, if you're taking sheriff's deputies or state police and you're spreading them out over an entire region, um, you don't get as much coverage. So I would think that as communities continue to grow, they're going to to want more more police coverage. Um, but I don't, I don't believe that. You don't believe it? I, I really yeah. believe that. No, I yeah. Because, and how much does it cost taxpayers of all of Erie County, where in all the small townships, two of them you said, Blaisdell has their own police department, uh, the village of Depew has their own police department, they all pay for this. And really, I don't, I don't understand where, why we, we as a community, as a county, and you keep bringing up the city of Buffalo, but the majority of the county is outside the city of Buffalo. Majority of population lives outside the county, the, the city of Buffalo. Yes, that's correct. So, I mean, if if I just use my town for example, I mean, you're talking with just those two two communities with upscale neighborhoods that they have. You're talking sixty million dollars that we could take out of basically the county budget and put it someplace else. Put law enforcement someplace else if we had to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Dave. I mean, you bring up good points, and look, I think. One of the most important things um, you do when um, you're running a county and when you are working with so many different communities with so many different needs, and you're right, 80% of Erie County uh, resides outside the city of Buffalo. Um, but So I think one of the most important things is you have to look at every and all option, not just for cost savings, but for services as well, and uh, have ongoing dialogue with communities on ways we can improve services, ways we can make things better, way where we can cut costs. And um, uh, with respect to Grand Island and Clarence, I mean, certainly those are discussions that um, that should happen, you know. And I, but, so I don't think, I think one of the challenges that I see with the current county executive is that it's my way or the highway and this is how it's going to be. And I 
don't believe that. I think that communities should be part of the discussion, and I think people should be part of the discussion on how we change the way we do things going forward. My way or the highway, and the highway may need some repairs, I think. It does. So <laughs> let's go to Tom, uh, who has been patiently waiting for almost a half hour. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good morning, Tom. Listen, um, this whole talk about roads just seems so bourgeois. We've got a person here who's against straw bands, who's against windmills, who's against any little baby step of climate change reparation. And she's going to have a 10-year plan for roads in a winter city that suffers 100-year storms every six months now. Explain this 10-year plan. Please, tell me. You put together a plan to address roads now, five years from now, 10 years from now. You put together a plan that addresses the maintenance of the roads because right now there is not enough maintenance of the roads to preserve the length of um, of the repair. Right now, we are basically taking a paintbrush and painting over roads. We have crews this year, right now, that are painting lines um, on roads where there's potholes. So they're painting lines down the middle of a road where there's a big giant pothole in the middle. We can't do that. You know, we need to, it, it, is, it is up to us, um, Tom, because it is, it is nobody else's responsibility but ours to take care of the 1,200 county road miles. And right now, it's chaos. It's, it's chaos, and then we come in and we fix the chaos, and then we move on to the next. We, are, we continue to put out fires. We are not being proactive. We are being reactive when it comes to the road work. Thank you, Tom, for the call. And let's go to Bob on a cell. Bob, good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, Lynn, I have a question for you. If I remember correctly, Michael Cavuto was involved with uh, a lawsuit in the Erie County Water Authority. My question is quite simply, I look at my water bill and I do some very simple math. I pay an infrastructure charge of $20 uh, per uh, billing cycle, uh, which is uh, four billing cycles uh, per year, plus the water bill. When you add it all up, being extremely conservative, they're collecting over a billion dollars during a 10-year period. Who's doing the oversight? Can you uh, at least tell me that and how my money's kind of being spent? Because for a billion dollars, you can fix an awful lot of infrastructure. And again, these are extremely conservative numbers. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. And I appreciate your frustration with um, authorities. That's the problem with authorities. There are literally 600 and some authorities in New York State. They answer to nobody. And there's, it's a bit of a misnomer to, when you hear the Erie County Water Authority because you believe that it falls under the auspices of Erie County government. It does not. They are an independent authority. Having said that, we have an aging infrastructure for sure in Erie County. We are an older community where work needs to get done so that we can continue um, to ensure the service of, of the water supply, etc., um, for Erie County residents. Uh, but where authorities you know, falter so many times is when it is run absolutely politically and not with with the best interests of the taxpayers and the residents. Um, Erie County Water Authority, believe it or not, services other communities outside of Erie County as well. We need transparency. We need, when we take a look at where the jobs are and who's doing what and how much they're getting paid and why they're there, 
I don't blame residents for being frustrated because it has been for a long time a place, we call it a patronage pit. You know, somebody lands on their lands on their feet there. And it's not to say that everybody at the Water Authority is there because of, it's a patronage position because there are engineers there. There are well-qualified. There's a new director there that has been there a long time as an engineer. He brings a certain level of expertise. Um, so there are good people that work at the Water Authority. But authorities need more transparency. All of them do. The Thruway Authority, Peace Bridge Authority, the, you know, the Water Authority, um, every authority needs more transparency so that residents understand what they're getting. Um, but we do have an aging infrastructure that we have to be mindful of over the next several years that um, needs to be addressed because um, without fixing our infrastructure, and that does include water lines, et cetera, and sewer and everything else, we, we could have bigger problems. One last question, Len. I know I said we'd let you go after the calls, but it is Bill's home opener today. So yeah. just a quick opinion of the current stadium situation that Mark Polonkar says he's the reason the Bills are still in Buffalo. And I know it's a loaded question. Your opinion on a new stadium and where you think it should be. So first of all, I don't think you write a tell-all book about lease negotiations while you're in office. I do not think you should personally profit off of public service. I also don't believe that you share that information when you are at a negotiating table. There's a certain level of trust that needs to be had. If you just wrote a book and now the Pagulas come in knowing that you just wrote a book about the last lease negotiations and you know saying what you did, and, and I don't think that that's a great jumping off point. Now, um, the, who saved the bills? The Pagula saved the bills. Let's be honest. Okay, Ralph Wilson in his last years here said he would not move the bills as long as he was alive. The big concern was once he passed away, what would happen with the team? Pagula's bought the team. They have shown a level of commitment to Buffalo and Western New York, uh, unlike we've seen in a long time. Over and above their purchase of the two uh, of the Bills and Sabers, they have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into downtown Buffalo. So the Pagulas save the bills. And know who else saved the bills? The fans. Because the fans have shown a passion and a love for this team, and they were insistent on whatever happens, the bills have to stay here. With respect to a stadium, I know that the Bagulas are doing that study. They have talked to th literally thousands of stakeholders. We cannot do in Buffalo what you do in Dallas and elsewhere, personal seat licenses, things like that. We are not a Fortune 500 city. We need to keep this uh, team for the fans and for the taxpayers. And so when that time comes for negotiations, the Pagulas will be a very important piece. The other important piece will be the fans slash taxpayers. Lynn, um, and Joe mentioned about his last question, but I want to ask you a last question too. Um, we can make the analogy, I think, between President Trump saying he wants to drain the swamp in Washington, which was one of the tenants that he ran on, and back to the authorities. Do you think there has to be a draining of the local swamp in that same way because it has been a bastion of patronage for so many years? You know, I, I think, and I've said this often in the legislature, we need our state lawmakers to change the authority laws at the state level so that there's more transparency, so that they run differently, okay? And, and we do need to do that because taxpayers have a right to know what's going on with their money. Um, they need to know these public entities. They, need, they have every right to know 
what's happening and how things are running. We have a, a very interesting text I want you to address. If the county's half-billion-dollar Silver Bullet Convention Center plan is supposedly supported by the taxpayers, why has the county executive been completely silent about it in his campaign? And it is moving forward quickly through the process, silently. Is that a fair question? So Mark Polencars came out a few months ago and held a news conference and said a couple hundred people responded to a survey that they did and that people want a convention center. When the study was done that determined Buffalo's convention center was antiquated and that a new one was necessary, um, it it made the determination that um, the reason we are not getting conventions is one of the reasons is the convention center. And we all know that it's not a good convention center. It doesn't look good. The staff, though, is unbelievable there, and they do a bang-up job. But it also said people don't come here for conventions because of the weather and because there are a limited number of direct flights in and out of Buffalo. That's a big problem for Buffalo and Western New York because when you're holding conventions, people don't want to hop on three different legs to get to a convention and then back. So let's address some of those questions first. Um, it, I will say that um, the convention center, the, the study, we are in the process of the study now, right? They're doing that study uh, to determine uh, next steps and next phases for the convention center. But Mark has said in the past that he's in favor um, of a convention center. And we, you know, we're talking about an awful lot of projects Skyway, um, extending Metro Rail, um, the terminal, um, convention center, stadium. Uh, you know, we, ha we have to pick and choose wisely what is going to be most important to this community in Western New York and what's going to have the greatest impact and the biggest bang for the buck. All right. One more call. Would you say? One more call, Lynn? Sure. One more call. Frank in Holland will be the final call and question for Lynn today. Frank, take it away. Hi there, Lynn. I'm kind of curious about the percentage of the outer-laying parts of the community of county. Uh, every time I hear about a convention center, a bridge, a this or that, I know they're included in the county, but the people are on the outsides of the county. I live in Holland. Our county roads are horrible. And that's only one aspect is the roads. What are you going to be able to do? Not what Mark hasn't done. What are you going to be able to do and what do you look forward to doing to helping those outer communities and getting the money they need to do the job right the first time instead of the Band-Aid solutions that perpetuate the highest, highest taxes everywhere? Hi, Frank, and thank you for your call. Um, well, it begins with paying attention to you. Um, I... You know, my first two years in the county legislature, I represented a district that was suburban rural. I spent a significant amount of time in the rural communities that I served. And in bringing the services, bringing a lot of outreach services to those communities where it is difficult to get downtown um, and to access some of the things that you need. So just in terms of services, uh, a significant outreach uh, to your communities um, to better serve you is number one. Secondly, though, with respect to the roads, uh, again, it's you're right. You want to do it right the first time. You don't want to keep putting this Band-Aid approach isn't working, and it's costing you more money by doing Band-Aid approaches. So you aggressively put together a road plan that is going to you know, take on wh where are the worst roads in Erie County, um, where what funding sources do we need to tap into to make sure that those roads are done correctly the first time so that 
we are not wasting money on Band-Aids. Now, now that your road is reconstructed or repaired to the way it should be, what are we doing to maintain that road? What, you know, every, I mean, you seal your driveway every what year, couple of years to make, to extend the life of the driveway, right? So what are we doing to extend the life of the road? Are we ditching enough to make sure that the that the the water flows off the road okay? Are we removing the standing water from the road to extend the life of the road? How are we maintaining your county road to ensure that, you know, you have a nice road to drive on and that it's not ultimately, uh, Frank, costing you more and more money to continue putting Band-Aids on it year after year or five years after five years? I mean, you do it right the first time. You know, Lynn, I drive a lot around the, the county and Niagara County as well as Erie County. And I can tell you that when I see the prioritization of these projects, that are being done with these Band-Aid solutions even are mostly in the rich and influential neighborhoods that don't even need those roads done. I can see on Facebook a number of circumstances where people are livid about the fact that roads are getting done that don't need to get done. And the outer communities, we've got roads where the ditches are literally on cliffs, and we're just yearly, if not bi-yearly, waiting for that road to flat-out collapse. It's not a matter of repaving. It's not a matter of milling and repaving. It's a matter of digging it up and getting the drainage. It's all around drainage, and that's a lot of money. And the road crews are not to blame. It's our elected representatives in New York that are not getting the road crews enough money to do the job right the first time. That's one thing. That's only one aspect that I was looking forward to you addressing. Another is getting communities uh, transportation in between, like, let's say, East Aurora and Buffalo. East Aurora, I know for a fact, only has one bus run that really can service anybody that wants to work in East Aurora or work in Buffalo both ways. There's only one run. There's no return trip. I've addressed that with a number of people, and they don't want to do it because the ridership doesn't, the studies don't show it. Well, if we can get communities interconnected with a bus run, I mean, what kind of pressure, and I know it's not Erie County, it's Niagara Transport, but I can't even get politicians to write a letter to them asking them to redress the study to see if the ridership does. People can't get to work. We can't get that community connection back and forth. Well, Frank, I will tell you that, again, when I first got into office, there was concern about one of the routes um, being cut by the NFTA that serviced Gowanda, and we had a public hearing about it. Um, We hosted a couple of public hearings, I believe it was at ECC South, um, to ensure that that um, route stayed, which it did for a while. What the NFTA continued to emphasize to folks at that time was we need to see ridership there because if there's no ridership, then it's it doesn't make sense. The community that I currently serve, which is Hamburg, Lackawanna, and South Buffalo, Lackawanna has been very much underserved by public transportation. Um, there's a lot of people in Lackawanna that rely on public transportation and the routes, again, like sp- especially weekend routes. Um, so we had, um, and I will tell you that there are some you know, great um, city council members there, John Ingram in the first ward that has been very active in in trying to change the bus routes and and, um, include more. And I worked with John Ingram uh, to have some hearings where we brought the public in and the NFTA. And I will say that they were willing to accommodate 
um, the wishes of the residents and try other things out. And that's what I have found with the NFTA, that um, that they are willing to work with you. They have worked with me and, and with uh, John Ingram and with the city of Lackawanna to try and try some other routes out and some other times out to see if they will better serve the residents. And they changed. They actually changed um the, the service and when it runs. Well, and we really appreciate you coming in on a Sunday morning, talking to both Joe, our callers, responding to texts. Thank you so very much for coming in. Best of luck on the campaign trail. Thanks so, ha- so much for having me, Brenda and Joe. Yeah, and if you missed any of that, it'll be available on WBEN.com. 90 minutes with Lynn Dixon means you get 29 minutes left of Brenda and I <laughs> after news with Mr. Neil McManus. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Well, I wouldn't say it's too hot. I think it's just right for the last full day of summer. You like that? Um, Perfect. Perfect timing, Joe. And what beautiful weather, uh, especially when you have out-of-town media in uh, for the Bills game. I mean, this is picture-perfect September wedding uh, weather. Uh, There's a Freudian slip. I got married in September. My anniversary is coming up on the 29th. The weather wasn't this beautiful on that day, but... uh, so far, so good on the marriage. And not just the uh, CBS crew in for the Bills game. Remember, UB on national television yes. pulling the upset last night or yesterday. They had the ESPN U crew in, and it looked beautiful. A lot of college football fans probably turned on ESPN U and said, that's Buffalo in late September? Absolutely. And they did a lot of... Uh uh, beauty shots, as we call it in the business, you know, where maybe you show a picture of somebody eating chicken wings in Buffalo or the uh, obligatory Niagara Falls shot. Well, this time they showed a lot of beauty shots of the UB campus and different features that they're using in the athletic department. So, uh, in fact, when I was watching the game yesterday, Joe, I noticed that they were doing like a smoothie shake at the UB facility and they were really talking up how beautifully the facility has been renovated and all of the different upgrades they've made. So, uh, it's uh, it's been good to uh, Pub for Buffalo, certainly, uh, you know, contradicting that image of us of, you know, as being in an Arctic climate nine months out of the year. I was happy to see that. And I was happy to see UB, after losing a game they should have won last week, uh, come home against a team they were heavily underdog, a team that would have beat, if they would have won, probably would have gotten into the top 25 um, with their 3-0 record and one of those wins against Maryland. Uh, but the fans showed up. I thought it was a, a really good atmosphere at the UB game yesterday and a nice win to end out of uh, conference play and kick off MAC play next week again on national television yeah, on ESPNU. Wait. I really hope that the UB Bulls start to pick up some more local coverage and local support. It is a good story and I think Lance Leipold has him on the right track. But Joe, before we talk um, about politics again, I just wanted to to give a shout out to Don Tomasulo and John Murphy, a couple of colleagues of ours who were inducted Thursday night at a wonderful dinner. It was packed. You were there. By the way, Beamer, you clean up nicely. You look great in a suit. Well, thank you, Brenda. One thing I have to say, I mentioned on Friday, it's time for Joe Beamer to lose about 10 pounds. Uh, that suit was snug. That suit was very comfortable in December. And, you know, I have like five or six suits to pick from. I love the way that suit fits. Just need a 
Just need to have it fit like it did in December. Well, I noticed you were chomping down those cookies pretty good. Well, thanks, Brenda. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, Joe, uh, you look very dapper in your suit. It was quite a night. The place was packed. It was sold out. And congratulations to all of the inductees, uh, including Don Tomasulo, a friend and a manager here at Entercom, a real creative thinker and a true gentleman. And John Murphy, of course, uh, of course, the voice of the Buffalo Bills and a longtime sportscaster locally who did one-on-one sports many, many years ago. Ago, um, here on WBEN, he succeeded Stan Barron, and then when Murph was done with that, Howard Simon took over. So a lot of great legacy broadcasters uh, here in this area who were rightfully recognized Thursday night at a fun, fun event, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, Joe. I did. I had a lot of fun, and uh, you know, being between Mike Randall and Sandy Beach, always an entertaining time. Oh, no doubt. You. Yeah, but, good crossfire, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, great to see uh, Don Tomasulo, a Madai grad, Indeed. get into the Buffalo Hall of Fame, or Sports Hall of Fame. And I also liked how John Murphy used part of his speech to um, get try to get nominations for other people. Yeah, he, he was thought, lobbying for Steve Tasker, and of I course. agree with him on Steve Tasker. Me too. Definitely. Me too. And Mark Leitner. And I loved how, uh, I, when I was an intern at BEN many years ago, Mark Leitner was the newsman there and uh, just a great guy and a true professional. I think Murph is right on both counts. And I loved how Murph paid tribute to his wife, Mary Travers, who he called the Hall of Fame mom and now Hall of Fame grandmother and, of course, a Hall of Fame wife. So a lot of good moments at the uh, dinner Thursday night at the Buffalo Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame. Yes, and, you know, um, John Murphy said you have to be you have to be lucky. You know, you, you, you always... You're lucky to kind of move up in this business, and I'm very young in this business. Actually, left for two years and then came back. But you know, if it wasn't for my Madai roommate turning down a job at WBEN, me getting it instead, and then working my way here, and then Sandy um, helping me out, you know, pushing for me to be on the air, Tim and Greg trusting me to be on the air, even with FCC regulations. Um, you know, <laughs> so he, he's. Completely right. It, it's it's luck and it's having people that trust in you. And I'm very fortunate that here at uh, Intercom, I have those people that trust me. And when I make a mistake, well, let me know, but tell me what to do differently next time. So oh, that's very what, thankful. That's what mentoring is all about. And there's a lot of great folks who work here at Intercom and who have taken an interest in our careers. And uh, I feel like you, Joe. I appreciate the opportunities given to me here uh, on both sides of the aisle, both sales and on air. So it's a real treat to be here on Sundays with you doing Hardline. And we We expect to bring more guests in, like Lynn Dixon, you know, Erie County executive candidate running as an independent, kind enough to take 90 minutes out of her busy schedule on a Sunday morning, and we appreciate that. Mark Polenkars is certainly welcome to come in as well, and uh, we'll be talking more politics as the weeks roll on. Yeah, and we will definitely, you know, uh, Mark wants to come in. We will, whatever time in the two hours he wants to come in, obviously, we will cater the show around him and anyone running. Next year is going to be a huge election year. Brenda and I will bring literally anyone that wants to come in and talk about what they're running for, the smallest of elections to the biggest of elections. We hope to have a revolving door, Brenda, every oh, yeah. Sunday you know here it. on Hardline. Well, that's the beauty of it, Joe. We've got a couple of hours here devoted to uh, not only village politics, uh, you know, town, city, you name it, county. And then there's the national stage. And it seems like there's always a Buffalo connection, no matter what. On these elections. So, you know, Chris Collins is in the news and David Bellavia is in the news. And there was a big event in Geneva, New York with NY27 discussion. And both uh, Bellavia and Collins showed up at that event. So 
that's a question that we'll be uh, delving into as the weeks go on here on Hardline. What will happen with NY27? Joe, you know it's just beginning. It is. You know, uh, we had Nate McMurray in, but I'm sure that's the first of many we'll have in. Uh, David Bellavia, I know he hasn't declared yet. He doesn't really want to talk about it, but I think he would be the perfect person to represent this district. Um, obviously, if he doesn't run, I'll have to... Uh, uh, if he doesn't run, we'll, we'll still have some great candidates out there. But David isn't just a great guy behind the mic. He's just a great guy altogether. Well, he's truly a hero, and that's a, a term that's thrown around quite a bit. Uh, but this man exemplifies that whole notion and is being recognized nationally, internationally. So, But that question remains, will he declare? He probably doesn't have to do so until the end of the year if he chooses to you know, uh, do more duties with the United States Army, work in a PR capacity, which he's excellent at. Uh, but there are other candidates who have already declared. Declared. Chris Jacobs, um, Beth Parlato, and I know others are waiting in the wings, and we're still waiting to see what Chris Collins himself will do. So definitely stay tuned to Hardline. We'll delve into all of those issues. Yeah, for sure. When we come back, uh, Brendan and I will babble for a little longer. <laughs> if you had a text on what you think Len Dixon said or the state of NY27, feel free to shoot us a text at 3930. We'd love to hear from you. One segment to go on the Bills Home Opener edition of Hardline after this. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. If you missed any of the interview with Lynn Dixon, who is running against Erie County Executive Mark Pullencars, that audio will be available at WBEN.com and the Radio.com app as soon as we are off the air in less than 10 minutes. And uh, you might be wondering why Joe is playing the Jeopardy music. Well, I asked him to come back with that. And I want to uh, throw a shout out to Jason Zuffrenary, who is the current Jeopardy champion. He is a Buffalo guy, although when they introduce uh, Jason, they call him uh, a contestant. He's a math teacher from New Mexico. Um, And so I taped the show, so I haven't seen the most current one. But I don't know if the Buffalo connection has come up yet. But there was uh, a lot of Zephyrinaries in the area. I went to college with one, and I know his family is a couple of members of the family are still from this area. But I had mentioned before the break, Joe, how there's always a Buffalo connection. Always. And one of our (laughs) textures. Uh, said even the current 15-day Jeopardy winner has a Buffalo connection, and indeed that's true. It's I hope Jason can keep it going. Uh, I don't know if he can reach the heights that James Holzhauer did when he was uh, in that incredible run when he just won you know multiple thousands of dollars um, and really established himself as a Jeopardy icon. Uh, and I was sorry to hear, speaking of Jeopardy, that uh, Alex Trebek had a setback in his battle against patri- pancreatic cancer. Uh, He had to go for some heavy-duty chemo again. Apparently, as Alex Trebek said, his numbers went through the roof, and he had lost a lot of weight, and he had to go for some more therapy, and I hope that helps him. So some strides have been made in the battle against that deadly cancer, pancreatic cancer, and I hope that um, Alex Trebek, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, comes out on top in in their battles. And I love Alex Trebek's attitude, though, right? As bad as the news gets... He was on uh, Good Morning America. We played a few clips during the morning show this week. Um, he just still has that same, oh, I'll get it attitude, you, you know. And uh, I do like what he said. He said, you know, if it does take me and when my time comes to pass, I don't want anyone to say, taken from us too short. Uh, he said, I had a long life and <laughs> yes. I loved every minute of it. But, it, it, I mean, the guy is 
fighting cancer. He's going back on chemo and still devoted to hosting Jeopardy. And when you watch Jeopardy, he is still hosting it with that same enthusiasm. Doesn't miss a beat, Joe. You'd never know it. I think he looks good. It's amazing what makeup can do and perhaps, you know, uh, a wig. And, And if people didn't know about his battle... You'd never know it. Um, He's got a lot of energy and enthusiasm and seems to enjoy doing that show after all these years. Speaking of people who uh, fight through the battle, uh, we did lose uh, one of the longtime ABC correspondents, Cokie Roberts, this weekend. very, very sorry to hear that. Um, I had a lot of respect for Cokie Roberts. And we also lost Sander Van Oker, who was well before your time, Joe. He's pretty much before my time, too. But he was a, a trailblazing journalist in the day. Um, and sorry to see both of them go. Cokie Roberts lost her battle at age 75 to breast cancer. Uh, and uh, folks may not like Cokie um, if they feel that she had a political orientation, but I always thought she represented the profession of journalism well and paid tribute to her father who died in a plane crash under mysterious circumstances. And he was a politician, Hal Boggs, from Louisiana. Yeah, they did a very nice uh, two-segment thing uh, on her this morning on the ABC Perspective, and she was just like Alex Trebek to the very final moment. She uh, had that energy, that enthusiasm. I was listening to a friend of hers say the Saturday before she passed away, they still, you know, uh, Cokie and Steve and this woman and her husband went to the movies like they did every Saturday. Cokie was in a lot of pain, but you would never know it unless you asked. You know, I never knew what her real name was. I didn't think that her uh, actual name was Cokie. It turns out her real name was Corinne, and her sibling could not pronounce it, and they started calling her Cokie, and it <laughs> it stayed with her all these years. And even as she had this very distinguished career, you know, interviewing people from around the world, the highest people and and whatever their professions happened to be, she was known as Cokie. And I thought that was kind of cool that she would keep that name, even with uh, the lofty uh, profession that she had and, and earned uh, after all those years. Yeah, so pra- thoughts and prayers, obviously, with the Roberts family, including our husband, Steve, who is heard here every Monday morning right. with uh, Susan and Brian. Yes, very, very true. So we lost a couple of good ones. Uh, as you know, we lost some musical talent as well, Joe, with Eddie Money and Rick Ocasek. And let's enjoy every day and every moment and go Bills. That's right. Go Bills. I know if you listen to the pick, uh, the Pickums, I did say Cincinnati was going to win. Obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see the Bills 3-0 and going into the Patriots game next week. Go Bills. And hey, next Sunday, Brenda and I will be back here. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.